Welcome to the It Depends podcast. I am your host, Kevin Goldsmith. I am the author of It Depends, writing on technology leadership 2012 to 2022. And I am delighted. This is the week. For those of you who have pre-ordered the book, it is arriving on March 4th. You should get your copies then, or it should be shipping on that date. If you haven't, please consider it, or can please consider buying the book. If you're getting value from this podcast, if you're getting value from the newsletter that are offering excerpts from the book, imagine having it all in one place in a really easy way to take notes, in a way to share and refer to. I also last week approved the, the final version of the audiobook. Took a little bit longer than I'd like, but that's honestly on me, not on anyone else. So that should also be starting to show up pretty soon. It takes a little bit longer than I expected to, audiobook distribution, but it should start showing up in stores pretty quickly wherever you get your audiobooks. The print book, either paperback or hardcover, is available from Amazon, of course. It is also available from bookshop.org, where you can give kickback to your local independent bookseller. It's available from Barnes & Noble. I'm seeing it appear in bookstores all over the world which is awesome, so you can get it from wherever you buy books. You can also go into your local bookstore and ask them to, to buy it for you. That's awesome as well. Very much appreciate that. So please, you know, go get the book. Uh, I, I always remind you about it. I try not to hassle you about it too much, but that's why we're doing this. That's why we're here. I also want to give a shout out to a couple other podcasts that I've already guested on that will be coming out very soon. The one I did this week, if you saw live, awesome. It was really cool. I did the Jason Kavnis Experience podcast. We had a three plus hour conversation, but that covered obviously a, a huge, huge wide range of subjects. I also did uh, Etienne de Brun's Seven CTOs. I think it's called uh, CTO Studio Podcast, a podcast I've done before. Both of these uh, podcast hosts are people I know, I've worked with. They're great people. They make great podcasts. And if, if you're interested in me talking about stuff that's not this book, good place to, uh, to check out. So I wanted to give that. I also wanted to remind people, one, the website, if you're looking for information, if you're looking for links to the Substack or to share for this podcast, you can go to itdependsbook.net. I also want to remind people that if you have questions and questions about what we're talking about this week, what I've talked about in previous weeks, or just any questions around technology leadership, running an organization, managing an organization, being a technical person in a startup, being a technical person in the industry, whatever you want, please send them to me. It's contact at itdependsbook.net. And that link is also available from that website, and I'll put it in the show notes. This week's chapter, I'm particularly excited about, and I've actually been looking forward to. This article originally came from a conference talk I gave in uh, 2021, I gave it twice, once at the Confu Montreal conference and once at the Tech Leadership Conference in, in Minnesota. Well, and, and this was during COVID, so virtually in both cases. And it's one actually I, I, I should try and give more because it is the number one question I get. So if I give a talk 
at a conference and then people, you know, approach you after and they want to talk about stuff. Or I get this question from people I mentor, or I get this question just randomly. People reach out to me on LinkedIn. I get this question a lot. You see it on Quora. It's not just me. It's a question that I think is on the minds of everyone that's kind of moving into technology management because almost all of us come from being software developers. We start as software developers. We achieve a level of skill somewhere in there. We decide either we decide or it is decided for us, um, which was in my case what happened at some levels that we are now going to manage other people. And you start to wonder, should I, how much is, how much should I be coding? Or more often the question I get is, do I have to stop coding? Because it is so much how we define ourselves. It's why we got into this industry. Those of us who start as software developers, because at least we hopefully liked writing software. So then giving that up, or at least the perception that we're giving that up to become, I'm air quoting, managers, becomes a sort of, well, what am I doing? And will the people that work for me respect me if I'm not a member of the team? And I had this problem, and I talk about it in this chapter. And I, I waited too long. I, I absolutely did. And it was a problem for me, and it was something I had to overcome. That's what this chapter is about. It's also about giving advice to others. I will also say, since I gave this talk, like everything else, I'll tell you, a lot of this stuff depends on the context you're in. Some companies, once you move to managers, you're expected. Like it's a, it's expected. You do not code anymore, even if you're managing a small team. Like that's what happens in those companies. Other companies, like a lot of the ones I work at, you become a people manager like a team lead, and you're still expected to be an active coder on the project. And it isn't until maybe you move into being manager of managers that you're expected to maybe even, not always, stop coding. So it is very contextually dependent. So that understood, you know, I never, as I say in the chapter, I never stop coding. I code all the time. Do I code actively on the products I'm responsible for? No. And because I have learned the lesson that that actually becomes a problem. I become the bottleneck for my teams. I talk about that in the chapter. All that aside, I'm a CTO at a company. I'm responsible for a you know, reasonably large engineering team. Certainly, I am managing managers who manage managers. And so, you know, I'm far enough away from the, the details of the work that I'm not the person who should be coding on the, on the product. However, there was a feature, a new feature we wanted to build in the product. And I thought, you know, I'm trying to explain to the developers and the company, maybe we should build these kinds of features in a new way. There's a different approach than the one we've taken traditionally to build this. And I'd been explaining it to folks for months, and I think they understood, but they didn't because it's not what they were used to. So I decided what I'm going to do, I had some time, I'm going to build the feature. I'm going to build it with a team. And then I'm going to hand it off. The team will own it. So it's not going to be me. I'm going to prototype it to kind of demonstrate what I've been talking about. But then I'll hand it off to the team. The team will own it. And that's how we'll go forward. So I did that. Except, of course, I didn't. Because what ended up happening, I started building the prototype. Product team saw the prototype, said, this looks good. Let's productize it. The product 
engineering team was busy, so they were working on something else. All of a sudden, I'm productizing it or at least getting it started before I can hand it off or work with the team. Eventually, the the team came on, but at that point, it was kind of on me, and I made all the same mistakes. I became the bottleneck because when I started it, I had more time. By the time we got into actually really productizing it, I didn't have as much time. Now I was super busy, but now the product team is waiting on me. I'm getting bugs, and I'm like, okay, I need to find time to actually address this bug, and the product team's waiting a day or two, and I'm trying to bring product engineers in to have them do the bugs, but of course... They're joining it late, so they're coming up to speed slowly. Anyway, features rolling out now. I'm not going to talk about it because we haven't publicized it yet. I'm very happy about it, very proud. We built it in the way I wanted it to. The product team, hopefully, there some of them may be listening. Hopefully, you feel a sense of ownership over it, and it's not just this thing I did that you got stuck with. But again, I made the same mistakes that I talk about in the chapter. So I learned the lesson and then sort of unlearned it and relearned it. Does that mean I won't code on any more stuff? Nope, I'm absolutely coding on some stuff right now for the company. But what I'm working on is stuff that is, you know, I'm, I'm doing some data cleanup tasks that we need to have happen. Everybody else is too busy. If it takes me, it, you know, it's probably a few days of work. If it takes me a month, nobody's going to care. It's, you know, data, data issues we've had for a long time. I'm just making it better but I'm probably going to try and focus more on that or the kind of more advanced prototyping stuff. Maybe if I do do this again, again, with a, an eye not to build it myself, but to educate and, and kind of advocate for a different way or a different way of building features or building a technology, I'll, I'll make sure I don't go do it by myself. I'll make sure it's me working with the team and that it's really the team that's building it, maybe with some more direct mentorship from myself. So that's why I was looking forward to this chapter because there's a lesson I learned. I learned it the hard way, lived by it for a, you know a number of years and then kind of forgot about it. And really quickly, it was brought back to me very hard. For all of that, I will also say, I have peers that still code on this stuff. Not normally people like me who join a company, I tend to join a company while companies have already been going for a long time. But oftentimes, like if you're a startup CTO or you're a founding CTO, you may still find yourself in the middle of coding more uh, you know, often. I, th- I do still say, stand by what I said is if you're an active coder on the project while your team is getting to be this kind of stage that, uh, of companies that I'm usually in where I'm managing managers of managers and sometimes managers of managers of managers, if you're an active coder on the project, and your company's at that size, you are probably not doing your real job. But oftentimes companies will set themselves up where maybe you're not people managing it. You're not people managing at that point. You have a, a VPE or something that's a peer. So, you know, again, it's all contextually dependent. But in any case, number one question I get asked by far, I've tried to answer it. If you're in this place where you're managing a team, maybe a larger team, and you're trying to decide, okay, will people respect me if I stop coding? You know, I don't have as much time to code anymore. Should I be trying to make more time to code? Or should I be leaning more into this manager stuff? You know, I hope to answer that with this chapter, or at least give you some ideas to think about or some ways to think about it so that you can answer the question for yourself. Here is 
when, why, and how to stop coding as your day job. When, why, and how to stop coding as your day job. By letting go of writing code, you open yourself up to excelling as a manager. Originally published on March 12, 2021. I am a computer programmer. I was one of those people who started coding at a young age, in my case on a TRS-80 Model 1 in my school's library. I loved teaching the computer to do something and then enjoying the results of interacting with what I'd built. Since I didn't own a computer, I would fill spiral-bound notebooks with programs I would write at home. Then, as soon as I could get time on the computer, I would type it in line by line. When I learned that I could write software as a job, I couldn't imagine anything else I would want to do. After graduating from university, I got my dream job writing 3D graphics code. I was a software engineer. I defined a successful day by how much code I wrote, the compiler issues I resolved, and the bugs I closed. These were obvious, objective metrics that I could use to measure my work. Those metrics and my job define me. Today, I'm a chief technology officer, leading large software development organizations. If I am writing code on the product, it's probably a bad thing. I now have to define my success by much fuzzier metrics. Building good teams, hiring and training good people, setting multi-year technical strategy and vision for the company, collaborating with other departments, and setting and managing a budget. I may have a good or bad day, but I must measure my success based on quarters or years. My achievements are now always tied to the successes of others. Getting to this point wasn't easy, but I wouldn't have it any other way. The journey took years. My first challenge was understanding that coding was no longer my job. Why is it hard to stop coding as our day-to-day work? When I speak to engineering leads or managers working to grow into more senior engineering leadership levels, the question of how much do you code is very often raised. We usually have a hard time imagining that we can still be useful if we don't code for a significant part of our time. Why is that? We've been traditionally bad at hiring managers in the software industry. Usually, companies choose development leads because they are the best, technically, on the team. I would guess that the reasoning behind this is that the assumption that the best software developers are the right people to supervise their peers. Unfortunately, this practice creates the impression that managing others is a promotion for a skilled developer, when in actuality, it is a career change away from what made them successful in the first place. The worst managers I've had were very talented developers who hated spending time doing the boring stuff that wasn't coding. They resented the time spent away from the keyboard and weren't always good at hiding that fact. Many companies now feature dual career tracks for technologists, allowing them to advance as individual contributors or move into management. This choice of career is an excellent thing. It means that if you want to spend your days coding, you can do that without sacrificing your career. It also means that if you prefer to find your joy in leading teams and growing others' development and skills, you can do that. We fear becoming non-technical. We join the technology industry to be close to technology. We fear that by moving away from coding, we will morph into the classic pointy-haired boss, ridiculed by the people on our team and unable to understand what the developers are discussing. I won't say this can't happen, but it won't happen on its own. It will only happen if you avoid technology once you move into management. As you take on broader leadership responsibilities, you must learn and understand new technologies. Moving beyond the specifics of your expertise is necessary 
to move up in management. I've managed developers coding in at least a dozen languages on the backend, frontend, mobile, operating systems, and native applications. I've also managed testers, data scientists, data engineers, DevOps, security, designers, data analysts, program managers, product managers, corporate IT teams, and others. It isn't possible to be an expert in all those fields. I need to take the lessons from my time as a developer and use them to inform my understanding, help me learn new areas, and give me empathy for the people who work for me. It isn't that you will become non-technical, is that you will become less narrowly technical. As new managers, we are often expected to continue coding. It is common to move from being a developer on a team to managing that team. As the new manager, this means you are still responsible for part of the code base. Unless you immediately start leading a large group, your new role may require you to spend a significant portion of your time coding. This expectation makes the transition to the new role more comfortable but it can also be an anchor that holds you back from embracing your new role as your management responsibilities grow. We still see ourselves as a resource that can save a deliverable. As a manager, you are accountable for the results of your team. If the group struggles to make a deadline, it might be tempting to jump into the weeds to try and help the team finish the project on time. While this is sometimes the right decision, it can also worsen the problems because the team loses the person who looks at the more significant issues and coordinates with other teams to get more help or prepare them for the delay. Why do we need to stop coding eventually? We don't need to stop coding ever. However, once you move into engineering leadership, it will need to become a smaller and smaller part of your job if you are working to lead larger teams or broaden your responsibilities. I had led teams before I was a manager at Adobe and I had always spent a significant part of my work week contributing code as a part of the groups I was in. At Adobe, though, my team had grown to be 14 people, with another four dotted line to me. I had been the primary developer for part of the project, and I still took pride in contributing important features to every release. However, my management responsibilities were starting to fill my work weeks. Between one-on-ones, sync meetings with other teams, and other manager work, my feature development time was increasingly moving into my evenings and weekends. As a result, my features were often the last to be merged, and usually late. The company had two mandatory shutdown weeks. To work during this time, you needed the prior approval of a vice president. The team was preparing for a release, and my features were still in the to-do column. I met with my VP to get his permission to work over the shutdown week. He asked me, who's the worst developer on your team? I hemmed and hawed, I didn't want to call anyone out on my team, and I hadn't even considered the question. Finally, seeing my uncertainty, he answered for me. You are. You're always late with your features. The rest of the team is always waiting on you. If you were a developer instead of the manager, you would be on a performance improvement plan. He was right. My insistence on coding was hurting the team, not helping it. Taking on the lead role doesn't mean you should stop coding immediately, but it does mean that your coding responsibilities should now be secondary to your leadership ones. Other developers are on your team, but there aren't other leads. If you aren't doing your lead job, no one else will. Similarly, your professional development's primary focus should now be your leadership skills, not your coding skills. You are moving into a new career, and if you don't work to improve, you will find yourself stuck. As your leadership responsibilities increase, you should transition your development responsibilities to other team members. This transition is a good practice because delegation is an essential part of leadership. 
How do you stay technical when coding is no longer your job? As I said earlier, staying technical is a choice you must make. Hopefully, one of the primary reasons you chose to make a career in the technology industry was that you were interested in it, so this shouldn't be a problem. As I also said earlier, as you develop as a technology leader, your focus broadens as your scope widens. The best way that I have found to remain a credible technologist for my teams is to be interested in them and their work. To do this, talk to the team members and take a genuine interest in their work. If a technology comes up in a meeting or one-on-one that you don't know, add it to a list of things to research later. Then, dedicate time in your week to go through that list and learn about the technologies on your list well enough to have your own opinions about them. This practice allows you to have further discussions with whoever mentioned the technology. If you get interested in what you learn about the new technology, you may want to keep trying to understand it better. You may read more or embark on a personal project, using it to gain more practical knowledge. As I said, it isn't that you must stop coding, it is that, eventually, it shouldn't be your day job anymore. By taking an interest in the technologies your team uses in their work, you deepen your empathy for them and expand your knowledge. You'll be able to discuss the work, ask reasonable questions, and make connections to other things happening in the organization and your own experience. This way, the people on your team know that while you may not be able to step in for them, you understand their work and care about it. Success is defined differently when you lead people. The feeling of accomplishment that comes from completing a cool user story, deploying a new service, or fixing a difficult bug is significant. It is a dopamine hit, and just like other dopamine-inducing behaviors, it can be hard to stop. Having a great one-on-one or leading a productive team meeting can also feel good, but in a more esoteric way. As a team leader, you must learn to perceive the success of making others successful. This type of success takes longer, but the feeling is more profound and more rewarding. Having a release resonate with your customers, being able to easily justify the promotion of a developer you've mentored, and having someone accept a job offer for your team are all fantastic feelings. In the day-to-day, watching stories get completed, helping resolve the issues when they aren't, and seeing people get excited about the direction you're setting for the team can leave you feeling satisfied at the end of the day. Being a technical leader doesn't mean writing code every day. As you grow in your new leadership career, you must devote time to mentoring, developing, and leading your team. As you spend less time in your code editor, you'll find new challenges in strategy, clearing roadblocks, fixing broken processes, and new tools like HR information systems, slides, and spreadsheets. It isn't as bad as it sounds. You will spend less time learning all the intricacies of a specific language or tool chain. Instead, you will learn about how systems interact, understand when to build versus buy, and learn about new technology areas. And you can still code, but make sure you aren't the developer holding your team back. Okay, so that was When, Why, and How to Stop Coding is Your Day Job. Chapter 4 of It Depends, Writing on Technology Leadership 2012 to 2022. Hopefully uh, you got something out of that. If this is something you've been working with, if if it's something other people you know are struggling with, please send them this podcast. If you're enjoying this podcast, please share it. Please rate it. Please tell people about it. 
you know, anything you can do to help spread the word, very much appreciate. The book's coming out on Tuesday. If you haven't already pre-ordered, feel free. Please do and go go to your bookstore, go to your favorite web bookstore, do whatever you want. The book is something I've worked on for a long time, obviously, at least 10 years, um, more like 12. And something I'm particularly proud of, especially as I spend more time with it, you know, looking, listening to it over and over again, um, preparing the audiobook or reading it over and over again. There's stuff that I find myself telling people all the time. I would refer them back to the blog post. It's all in one handy place for you. So hopefully, you know, you'll appreciate it. I've tried to keep the book as inexpensive as possible. Um, but, you know, with all the markups, uh, it's it's more expensive than I want it, but it's basically as cheap as I can make it because I'm more interested in getting it to you than I am than I am on making some money on it. I'll refer you back again to itdependsbook.net. It depends book, one word, uh, is the website. It's got links to everything, buy links, all that kind of stuff. You, If you have questions, you can send them to contact at itdependsbook.net. Please do. I love answering your questions. I haven't had one for a couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm missing them. I like them. Uh, happy to talk about anything. Thank you again, and I'll see you in on the podcast in a couple of weeks. I'll see you on the newsletter next week. Thanks again. Thanks so much for listening. Please, again, subscribe, rate, share episodes of this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again. I'll see you soon. Thanks to Answer Staple for the music in this podcast. This podcast is a production of Unit Circle Media.